Good morning. Uh, many of you continue to express love and concern for uh, me and for our family uh, as we walk through this journey of uh, loss of Ben, Charlie, and Bailey, uh, who were lost this summer, for those of you who might not know. Um, and so many of you care, and you ask questions like, you know, Dave, how are you doing? How's Aaron and Kaya doing? How's Linda? How's it affecting the church? So many of you ask those questions. And so I want to take just a minute again to update you on that. Um, many of you know more about grief even than I do, but grief strikes all of a sudden, and you don't see it coming, and then all of a sudden it strikes you. And so some days are really, really hard, and other days are just days, Right? And so uh, Friday night and Saturday, Kaya came home to our house and she goes, Grandpa, let's go out and play. And so, uh, you know, I'm 65 years old. It's like, uh, so I'm making snow angels on the, trying to get up without wrecking the angels. I'm shaking the tree branches, having the snow come down on us. We're throwing snow at each other. I think Kaya's here. It was just a blast. That was one of those days. But then on Tuesday, we, uh, I had a funeral and uh, a family in the church. And I went to the closet to pull out the suit I wear for funerals. And it was the first time I had pulled out that suit since the day we buried uh, Charlie Bailey and, and Ben. And uh, I saw there was a bunch of slobber on the front from one of my grandkids. And I saw it was all wrinkled. And as I held it, I just started to cry. And as I put it on, I started to cry. And I thought, this is so dumb. It's just a suit. But grief. So later that morning, I'm in the hearse, and we're uh, going to the cemetery over here, and uh, we couldn't get a police escort that morning, because sometimes you can't because the police are busy. And so we were talking about that, and that got me thinking of the day we had three hearse. And the day little Kaya, um, very few public people saw this, but uh, we had pallbearers, and they were putting the caskets in these three hearse, and Kaya had a uh, cast on each hand, each arm, and she wanted to help, but of course she couldn't, so she would just walk along beside them. As the, And then I looked ahead of the three hearse, and there were five police cars. And then every corner between our church and the Waterloo Memorial Cemetery had two or three police law enforcement people at every corner. And I hadn't thought about that since that day, but writing in the hearse... Then the next morning at four, I woke up just crying, thinking what an honor that was for the guys, for Ben, Charlie, and Bailey, that so many people, so many, Waterloo, Cedar Falls, uh, I think the Iowa State Patrol, Blackhawk Sheriffs, all participated in that thing. So uh, we're we're doing okay. I've cried more in uh, five months than I've cried in 65 years. And this is our journey now. And as I teach... This is going to have to be a part of uh, my teaching because this is who I am now, and it's had an effect on us. Uh, last week, I was sitting right where Jeff is, and Julie was teaching, and I was in here two weeks, two, two times, and she was teaching on setting aside the idol of greed and letting God take that place. And even while I was sitting there, um, it was like God was communicating to me, Dave, you need to teach this next week. And so I had my bulletin, I was like writing, and Julie later said she thought I was writing a critique of her. I was not. I was simply writing some of these thoughts. And what the thoughts were was this. Um, our lives, as we follow Jesus, no matter what the circumstances, need to be uh, marked by, hear this, 
increasing joy. We have a slide. Increasing joy and increasing surrender. doesn't matter what the circumstances are. Our lives, you know, no matter what the deal is, because we follow a Savior, Jesus, need to be marked by increasing joy and increasing surrender. Even our family now. I mean, this is going to be a hard holiday season. Thanksgiving, Christmas, two trees, less presents. I mean, so many things are going to remind us. But what's our life going to be marked by? It has to be a deep joy, which is not happiness, but it's a deep wellness in our souls and a deep surrender. Increasing joy. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, be joyful always. And the Bible says in Hebrews 12, says this, For the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross, scorning at shame. And Psalms 100 says, and I love the song we ended with here, Shout for joy to the Lord. Shout for joy. So joy, as we follow Jesus and Jesus lives in us, we need to have increasing joy. And then surrender. I, you know, what's funny, I thought six months ago, I told the guys this, is, I thought I was an expert on surrender. I had taught surrender. So many of you have heard me up here, like with my hands like this, surrendering. You know, when I talked about when we had a church uh, hard time and had hard times in our family, I'd just surrender and I'd be at the dock and I'd surrender and then I'd turn around and I had it back so I'd have to turn around, pray again, surrender. Remember that? On uh, June 10th, I figured out I'm still a first grader when it comes to surrender. For surrendering... Three family members at the front of a chapel. Three caskets into the ground and their souls into heaven is a whole new level of surrender. But we follow a Jesus who knows surrender. Remember he was on the face, he was on his face praying in the garden. And he said, Lord, take this cup from me. I don't want it. But Father, your will, not my will. And then remember he was on the cross. One of his final words. And he said, Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit. That was the last word of surrender. Some of us have walked with family members who had the chance to like talk about that, that, Father, I'm ready to go. Now, for the next two weeks, here's what's interesting. We're going to teach on giving, which is simply a subset of a life Increasing joy, increasing surrender. It's all the same, and giving is a subset of that. And um, what we really want to say, here's the verse we want to use, Corinthians 9. Uh, we have a slide for this. Here, Remember this, and rem- remember, this has been a theme of mine lately. You don't really come to church to learn new things. You come to be reminded of what you already know, most of you, because you've been in church for a long time. Now, some of you are new, and some of this is new, but uh, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap sparingly. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. You know, we give not to earn God's love. And we don't give so that he notices us and he gives us like something, some kind of big reward. We don't give for those reasons. Yesterday, uh, you know, 11 inches of snow I heard. And so I got up early and I uh, ran our snowblower on our driveway. 
And um, that was cool. And it got uh, slush underneath. And if you tried it, it, it was a mess. And my got clogged and all that. Then I walked over to Aaron's and Kaya's house. And I'm going to blow Ben's with his snowblower. And you know what I was whispering? I was looking forward to this. So I started his snowblower, and I'm blowing his driveway. And you know what I'm whispering? I'm whispering, Ben, this is for you. Ben, I loved you so much. I'm going to do this for Aaron and Kaya, and I'm going to do it with great joy. That's the picture of the Christian life. Because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, we have God's snowblower. And we're going, because of what you mean to us, Jesus, we're going to do stuff for you. We're going to give volunteer effort. We're going to give you our heart. We're going to give you our money. It's the same thing. I don't do it so Ben will notice. I do it out of a response, and so that's what we're... So one of the things we want to say is that everyone in the body of Christ, everyone here at Orchard, can take a next step in giving for the purpose of... um, Giving back to God because he first gave to us. So um, we've got a continuum up here. I want to um, pull it up. And I want to just talk to you for a minute about how each of us can take a next step. Some of you, some people in the room need to give a first gift. In other words, you've not actually given a first gift to God. And so some of you need to give a first gift. It's like, uh, I, I've not really given a generous, a cheerful, a um, sacrificial gift, and I need to do it. And especially we need to teach our children to give a first gift to God, and our grandchildren, and college students. Maybe some of you go, I'm broke. You could still give a first gift to God at the end of this year. So some of you could give a first gift. Then some of you could take a step from that to regular giving. Regular giving is very simple. When you're in church... You look in your purse or your billfold or you pull out your phone and push pay and you like give a gift. And every time you're here and the offering's taken, some of you do this and it's a cool thing. It's like you're regular givers. And some of you could step up to that. Now, regular givers, those of you who've been doing that for years, I want to challenge you to take a new next step. And I would call this intentional giving. Intentional giving is you actually have a plan. You actually have a target. This year, I'm going to give this percentage of my income. Now, before you can draw your target, you have to figure out what you gave last year. Which for some of you would be a major effort because you haven't thought about it. So what did you give last year? And not just in dollars, but in percentage. So it's like, last year I gave 3%. My target this year is to give 4%. Last year I gave 6%. My target this year is to give 7%. Why am I doing it? Because I have to know. Because you're pushing a snowblower because of what God has done for you. And he loves you. And you have to give back. You have to. And so some of you could move to intentional, kind of checking out what have you been doing and why are you doing it, and cheerfully, remember that? Because it's all about joy and surrender. Now, some of you who have been giving intentionally need to step up to tithing, 10%. You can take that step. You've been at 4% or 3% or 6%. Some of you could go to 10%, which is the biblical uh, target, Jesus said to the Pharisees one day, Hey, I affirm your tithing, but you've got to be sure the inside of the cup is right. 10%. Lynn and I have been doing this since college. It's a joy. Uh, you very quickly realize in God's economics, if you give him 10%, the other 90% will go farther. You very clearly get that. 
So if you've not been tithing, I challenge you to that step. Uh, and then I want to talk to those of you who have been tithing for years and maybe need to take the next step, which is I would call extraordinary giving. Lynn and I had tithed for about 20 years, and we realized we needed to do more for God. We needed to do more. And so then we said, we're going to do more. And what we said a number of years ago was we're going to give 1% more each year until we retire. Now we're going to have to figure out with retirement coming what we're going to do. I don't know. I haven't solved that yet. But so we've been giving 1% more for the past 15 years. Like just That's just what we're going to do. And God continues to bless us. And it, it's okay. Now, remember the whole point of this is increasing joy, increasing surrender. Now, I want to take a... Um, I want to take you to the Bible, Matthew chapter 25. Jesus tells a story about giving. And I want to tell you this story. Again, it will be like a man. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Okay, wait. This is so important. Jesus, when he tells a parable, which is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, he has one primary point. And the primary point of this parable is that we've been entrusted with God's stuff as his steward, and we need we need to give back to God, and we need to use all of his stuff in his way, right? That's the primary. And we'll be held accountable one day. That's the primary. But even as Jesus, he's so wise, he's so smart, he's so perfect, even as he tells the parable, he gets other details in there that we can learn from. So here's the first detail. Whose wealth is your wealth? It says right there, the pronoun, his. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. You come in the world with nothing? You're going to leave the world with nothing? Whose wealth do you have while you're here? God's. There's not a question about that. It's so biblical. It's like the central stewardship message of the Bible. You get up and drive your car, it's his. You uh, had a warm shower this morning, it's his. Your money in your portfolio, it's his. It's really clear. And that's why when you think about giving back, it's not that big a deal. It's all his. I'm just going to give back a little bit. Second thing, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. I love this part. I don't have to feel guilty for being born in the richest country in the world in one of its richest times. I don't, I don't have to feel guilty that I have money in the bank. I don't have to feel guilty that I have some savings for retirement. Why? Because God in his sovereignty determined that I would be born in America and somebody else would be born in Haiti or Mozambique. I don't have to feel guilty, but I do have to be responsible. Are you hearing this? The man who had received the five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. God will ask us several questions one day, eyeball to eyeball, I believe. First one is, what did you do with my son Jesus? I sent him, he died on a cross for your sin, what did you do with Jesus? Second one is, what did you do with the time I gave you on earth? And the third one is, what did you do with your resources? For me, we will one day answer those questions. Again, we don't operate out of fear and legality. We'll just answer the questions. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five he had invested and used. And the master said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. 
Then, I love these words. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, it isn't that he just gave back wealth. He used all all five bags of gold for God. So he raised his family, he paid his debts, he lived within his means, and he gave back. He did it well. The master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man who had two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, I love this. The exact same words. doesn't matter what level of financial influence God gave you. If you operate as if it's his and you give back, the exact same words. I remember being in Haiti. And I got there on a Saturday and I drove around. First time ever in a third world country where people are starving. And I sat with the pastor that night and he, I said, what do you want me to teach in your church tomorrow? And he said, Dave, I want you to teach stewardship. I thought he was insane. I know how to teach stewardship at a church like this where none of us have starving children. I wasn't sure I knew how to teach stewardship to a group of people in Haiti whose children have big stomachs from hunger. And this pastor said, no, Dave, I really want you to. So that night I was so restless. Is what I'm teaching true even in Haiti? It is. It is true. So those who have a little more, bring a piece, bring some of their rice to church so that those who have a little less take some rice home and feed their children. The same principles apply. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. When we don't get giving and stewardship right, you know what the problem is? Right there. A wrong view of God. This guy thought God was a hard God, a mean God, a grump God. And so what did that cause in him? Fear. And so what did he do? He went and buried it. We have a God who's generous, gracious. He loves incredibly. He loves you. He loves me. He loved Ben. He loved Charlie. He loves us all. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You got the key to life wrong. You misunderstood who God was. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. This is crazy. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags of gold. Now what do you have? You have the master and he's standing there and one of his servants has eleven bags of gold. The other has four bags of gold. And what if... The servant, the master leaves again and says, hey, you have more time. You know, the reason I think about this is because Lynn and I are the 11 bag people. Lynn and I have 11 bags and the master's given us more time. And you got to ask, what do I do now that I have 11 bags? You know what you do? You throw them all in again. And you go, God, you've given us more, more time. I don't know why. But we're going to use our money and our time, and our volunteerism, and give you our hearts for the remaining years. 
we're going to do it. And what does that look like? That looks like we care for our family. That looks like we use our money. We live within our means. It looks like all that. And then it looks like we give generously. We give generously. We give generously. I'm challenging you. Give generously. Some of you uh, need to take a next step, whatever that is, in your giving. You do. Not out of legalism, not out of oughtness, not because I'm up here telling you. Because you're getting a new view for how much God has given you. Now, what if you're not feeling it? I love this question. What if you're not like feeling it? You're going, Dave, I'm just not feeling this part. You know, we have bills and... You know, we have this old car that's always breaking down, and we have this, and we have this. I'm not just feeling it. Well, I knew some of you would be here. <laughs> so, uh, I, uh, I'm actually using a symbol that I've used before. Uh, sometimes people see me teach, and they say, Dave, you've done that two or three times. I go, yeah. I'm more of a coach than a teacher. I don't care that you hear new things. What I care is that you live your life for Jesus. And if this picture helps you live your life for Jesus, I'll do it every year for like 25 years, just like as a coach. What did you do every time they came back to practice the first, the first time? Bruce, you know what we did. We covered the fundamentals. That's what we did. Every time, same. State championship. I would say, hey, let's check your stance. Right? You go back to the fundamentals. This is a fundamental. If you're not feeling a, resp- a love response to God that would include giving... Um, I'm encouraging you, especially on Thanksgiving week, to um, count your blessings and your gifts from God. So I've got, uh, a lot of you know, a spiritual discipline I have is that on Thanksgiving week, I make a long list of what I'm thankful for. I've done it for decades. I actually started when our kids were children, and we did it for them on the refrigerator. And then when they moved off to college, I kept going. And so in my iPad right now, I have like 55 things I'm grateful for this year. And this was a really important year for me to do this. And so I'm going to let you see some of those things and how it changes my attitude. So here, uh, here's the first gift I want to thank God for this year, which is that I know Ben and Charlie and Bailey are in heaven. It's the gospel of Jesus. I actually don't need any other gifts to feel the love of God. And to respond with all my heart. But I've got other gifts. Uh, Another gift is God has been the rock under our family. Since June 10th. And even when I didn't feel his presence, he was the rock. Another gift is you guys. So many of you have given to us, have supported us, have encouraged us. So many of you. I mean, I could stop at any time and just go, oh, God, your love is overwhelming. Uh, I thought we'd have a lot of sickness. With the level of stress that we had in our family, I thought we'd be sick. And uh, there's been some sickness, and Aaron's had some struggles, but pretty much our family has been um, pretty healthy and strong during this time. 
I will never stop thanking God. For how he was at the accident site. He was there. His presence was there. The first off-duty law enforcement came up and said it was so obvious. God's presence was there. I have to thank him for that. A few weeks after the accident, Linda and I had our 45th wedding anniversary. We actually did celebrate it. I think I took her out to Hardee's or something. Uh, but 45 years with an amazing woman is a gift. Uh, a lot of you know Jason and Em. My daughter and son-in-law moved to town. I don't know if you know the story, though. Two, two weeks after the funeral, Jason, our son-in-law, was sitting in back of uh, Kaya and uh, Em's three kids. And he looked at him and said, these need to be her new brothers and sisters. For now. And so then they made plans to come. And how, how do you thank God for kids like that? Uh, on the way to Florida, one of the things I said to Lynn was, we have an emergency fund, Lynn and I have always had, and um, this was an emergency And so I said, thank you, God, that money doesn't have to be a big factor for us in supporting our family at this time. Um, Aaron's family, the White Hills, uh, were in Florida with us. And at the end of that time, Barry said to me, Dave, this was like the most powerful small group time I've ever been a part of. And I just thank God that he pulled, we were friends, tight friends before, but that he pulled us together even more. Uh, How many more can I reach? Oh. I came back from Mozambique last time, having spent time with our family there. And it dawned on me that our child that we support there will never experience a warm shower with clean water. Never. I have one every morning. So one of the things I started doing was thanking God every morning I get in the shower. Thank you, God, for a clean, warm shower. When you think of that list of gifts, can you see why I'm so adamant about giving back to God? He's so good. He's so gracious. He loved before I ever loved him. And you know what? Almost all of you could make the same pile. In fact, I put it in the bulletin notes so you can like put what your gifts are to remember. One more gift. This is what the teaching's about today. God gives you and me the opportunity to be in his game. I mean, what a great day to talk about games, right? I mean, like North Carolina. Too bad. Go home. God lets you and me play on his team. He doesn't keep us on the bench. He says, bring your resources into the game. He lets us participate. I don't know if I can do this. 
I think I've shrunk. I believe you have a pile like that in your life. And I believe every good gift on this planet is from God. And I believe when we experience that, we have no problem writing a big check to God, giving him a chunk of our time. I just think we don't. And if we do, it's not a money problem. It's an image of God problem. I'm going to uh, pray, and then we're going to sing. We're going to try to leave this up here to remind you. We'll see what happens. Uh, We're going to sing this amazingly good song called Good, Good Father. Good, Good Father. So let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much, so very much, for the pile of gifts that we have in our lives. Thank you that even on our worst year, and I think this has been my worst year, You are a God of great joy. You live in us. You uh, love us. You give us gifts right in the midst of pain. And then, Father, we get to give back. We get to give back. So help us do it. And uh, some of us are in the wrong place financially, like we're over our heads. We've spent too much and all that. Father, uh, bring comfort to those folks, please. And uh, bring wisdom to their lives. And... uh, Help us now in these last two songs worship you. Good, 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 Father. In Jesus' name, amen.